Good evening, everyone, and thanks for joining us for another edition of Brazing Vibration Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Reverend Raven, and tonight I have the honor of have a special guest, Dr. Jamie uh, McLaughlin, who's joining me from Richard, uh, Richmond, Virginia. Mm-hmm. So, Dr. Jamie, thank you so much for agreeing to come on the show this evening. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Well, I, I wanted to dive into your experience of your background, how you decided to become an oriental, uh, it's oriental medicine doctor, correct? Yeah, yeah, doctor of oriental medicine. Yeah, it was quite a journey. Um, I actually started off uh, like most people do in the West um, with that track of uh, science. I have two degrees in science and was going to be a a Western medical doctor. That was my original plan. And um, as I moved further along that path, I started um, doing some shadowing with some physicians. At first, I thought about pediatrics, and mm-hmm. uh, then I thought for a while about being a sports medical doctor. So I took a couple of summers as I was working on my bachelor's degrees and did some job shadowing in the summer. And um, I quickly started realizing that uh, I felt like even back then, late 80s, early 90s, uh, felt like something was missing uh, for me. Um, I, I felt compelled. I always wanted, I always knew I wanted to be in healthcare. I always knew I wanted to serve in that way. But um, when I really started looking at medical schools and trying to make decisions around which um, avenue within the field that I wanted to, to uh, venture into, it, it just started not feeling um, as much my calling, I, I guess, at that time. So then I got nervous because I had never really considered anything else. So I had a few people suggest to me before I go spend the money and the time um, going to you know Western Medical School. They said, you know, why don't you think about something alternative like chiropractic or um, some of the things you talk about, you know, plants and and nature and and uh, you know bringing spirituality and psychology, emotional um, and socioeconomic aspects of, of healing. Why don't you look into naturopathic medicine or something along those lines and. So I did. I took some time. I looked at chiropractic. I thought about physical therapy. Um, you know, I looked at some different things and nothing really truly uh, resonated with me. And so I ended up taking a year off before I made the final decision um, where to go to school for graduate school, finished my bachelor's degrees and uh, actually ended up, long story short, spending some time in Japan. And I had a good friend in uh, college, Yoko Takai, uh, her her. Uh, uncle and, and grandfather had been acupuncturist. And so I actually went there um, just to kind of get a feel of uh, different types of medicine, a different culture. Um, didn't think I'd really do it for a living, but uh, that's that's sort of what got it all started. So while I was there, I, I had some treatments done on myself and I sort of shadowed them a little bit. I became more and more fascinated uh, with the ideas of Asian medicine. Um, so by the time I left there, that, that had become my new calling. I think the thing that um, appealed to me the most was something called five element theory. And that's where they lo- really look at particular emotions um, resonated with, with different parts of the body, both externally and internally, like specific organ and organ systems um, being out of frequency or out of tune when we have specific emotional um, problems or environments where we are subjected to particular emotions like anger, uh, fear, and how that affects the physiological function over time when we have chronic stress or chronic emotional disruption. That was just like an aha moment for me when I um, 
started learning a little bit more about how they used five element theory for chronic health conditions like irritable bowel syndrome and headaches and um, kidney stones and all these things. They were actually looking more at the emotional aspects of the person and looking at their emotional history um, more so or just as much as their physical and physiological history. So that was really something I found fascinating. Because, you know, in, in the West, we'll, we'll, we'll think a little bit about how stress affects the body. We admit that stress affects the body, but we don't take it to that next level of saying, wow, specifically being in an environment where you're frustrated or angry can create disharmony in the liver and the gut. Right. Oh. We don't take it to that level right. of, of understanding and fear. You know, if you're a child growing up in a household where you don't feel safe, that can affect the kidney and urinary function. Um, developing kidney stones and even asthma, believe it or not, childhood asthma, we treat the kidneys as much as the lungs. Um, so, th so to show those, those emotional connections um, and, and how stress and, and, and having dysregulation in an environment can create a specific chronic ailment over time, um, that just, that was the thing that really um, attracted me the most because th I wanted to get my hands on that. I thought, wow, even if I don't practice Eastern medicine, the, this is some valuable information that we could really use to treat people that have chronic problems because we're not um, looking holistically enough, I don't think, in Western medicine, um, especially with chronic conditions. And we're certainly not um, asking people about their, their work and home environments, um, their childhood environments, and seeing what, uh, what emotional body could be um, part of the problem or part of the symptoms. So that was the thing that really fascinated me the most and got me more curious about diving in. And then the more I learned, the more I found this medicine, just it just felt in alignment with me, with my beliefs, um, with how I wanted to uh, serve my, my patients. So when I came back from Japan, I decided to go to um, Eastern Medical School instead of Western Medical School. And that's that was the, the, the avenue that I took. I went out to New Mexico and I went to um, an oriental medical college for four years and uh, got a master's degree. Um, five years after that, I was in, I was in practice for a while. And after that, I, I ended up taking um, opportunity to study abroad in China. I worked at Haileen Zhang University, and that was where I acquired um, the equivalent to a, a, a PhD. So I became a doctor of oriental medicine. So I've lived abroad, studied abroad, but, but um, it, it, it also sort of merged that, that background that I had with uh, science as well, because I think the um, oriental medical approach is a lot more scientific than people think, um, but, but not to the point where we can objectify it, quantify it, um, prove it. Um, it. It's a little subjective in that you've got to look at the individual person and the person's longer standing history to really get to the root of uh, some of their chronic conditions, but it, it's a really beautiful individualized medical system that it truly, and it, it works. It's, it's pretty amazing. So I know that we have some um, virgins out there, like I like Dakota speak that, what's the difference between traditional medicine and oriental medicine? You mean traditional Western medicine or? Yes. Traditional Western medicine. Allopathic medicine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, there's some overlap. I think the biggest difference is, um, you know, Eastern medicine is really looking at um, your entire complete history. They, they will ask you questions about your, your personal birth, um, your childhood. Um, your, you know, they look at everything, your socioeconomic 
um, your, your, your predominant emotion, um, not only how you present yourself, but how you feel inside. So it's, it's a very introspective, holistic approach. And they, I think, gather a lot more information. They don't just ask you, are you allergic to any medications? And when was your last period? And are you pregnant? They, they, it's, a, it's very, very detailed and involved. And they, they, they take a deep dive into your personal history, um, emotional, physical, physiological, and even spiritual, which is an aspect that really attracted me to the medicine. Um, they, the Japanese have a saying. They, they say that human being, when treating a human being, um, it's not mechanistic. It's not the sum of a bunch of parts like we would work with a, a machine. You've got to look at, they call it the braid of three. You've got to look at the whole human being. And human beings are emotional beings, they're physical beings, and they're spiritual beings. And uh, they call it the braid of three, meaning each one of those things being a braid. And if that, if that alignment of the physical, the emotional, and the spiritual, if any one of those strands of the braid is out of alignment or not, not, working appropriately, you're, you're not going to be getting a good effect in treating the whole person. And so I guess my simplest answer is um, Eastern medicine looks at the, the, the socioeconomic, the, the, the emotional, the spiritual, and the physical as to where Western medicine really just looks at the physical. And Western medicine is brilliant for acute catastrophic conditions. You know, if I had a stroke or was in an accident or a heart attack, I would not go to a, an Eastern medical doctor for that. I'd be going to an MD and, and they're brilliant for acute catastrophic events. Where I feel Western medicine falls short is when they're treating chronic conditions that continue presenting themselves over time. You might be able to take a medication or have an operation and abate the symptoms for a while, but there's a deeper message that the body is, is sending that it, it, if, if not addressed, we don't understand what the body's trying to communicate to us. Right. Um, it, it will for sure resurface at some point. And so Eastern medicine is going to look at the whole picture of who you are and what could be bothering you. Um, they, they look at the, and I truly believe most chronic symptoms, most chronic conditions, there's truly a, a spiritual message in that, but we have to understand how to read the body and how to understand the information that the body's uh, trying to communicate to us to really dig in and, and, and treat that, that the root of that condition. If we don't get to the root of that condition, we can treat, we can put band-aids on the symptoms over and over again, but the, the symptoms are eventually going to surface again because we didn't get in and really listen to our body's wisdom and understand mm -hmm. what the spiritual message is. And oftentimes I find that's an, that's an emotional or lifestyle change that needs to take place. Nice. So I know you talked about Japanese medicine. Is it the same thing as Chinese medicine uh, or is there a difference between the two of those? There, there's a slight difference. They're, they're rooted in the same thing. That's why um, my title is a doctor of oriental medicine. I uh -huh. do mostly my, my diagnostic approach is using TCM or traditional Chinese medicine. Their diagnostic approach, their, their, their diagnostic theories are, are, the, the most ancient and the most probably profound. 
um, I find even probably the most accurate. Um, and just like Japan itself, you know, if you look at the history of Japan, Japan developed because people broke away from China, right? So the, the Japanese medicine is rooted in Chinese medicine because that's where it was sort of founded, right? Um, but then it, they took it and, and developed some slightly different techniques. Mm -hmm. uh, I believe the biggest difference between, for me, my understanding and my, my training, the difference between Japanese medicine and Chinese medicine is I think Japanese medicine is a little gentler in its therapeutic approach. Definitely the needling techniques are a little gentler and the Chinese techniques are, are although brilliant, um, their diagnostics is spot on. Their treatment, um, application of treatment is a little more aggressive. I got so, you. So it, the Japanese medicine is rooted in Chinese medicine in theory and, and diagnostics, but the, uh, the ways that they, they apply the needling and the actual body work, the energy work, it's a little bit gentler. It's a little bit more on the spiritual side of treatment. I got you. I want to read a couple of comments real quick before we go on. Uh, Lisa says, we love you, Jamie. Um, uh, hi, dad. <laughs> and we love you, dad. And then uh, Lisa want to know what emotional energy can we cause chronic low back pain? Mm -hmm. Okay. So this is the part that I love. I've been practicing for um, 22 years now, um, 18 years out West and eight years here in Richmond. Um, this is the stuff that gets juicy and fun and beautiful for me because this is truly what I think the medicine can deliver to the, our modern era most perfectly is exactly that, what Lisa's asking. Um, when we look at chronic low back pain, there's a lot of things going on there. To, to put it very simply, it's fear and lack of feeling supported, either in your personal life, in your relationships, possibly in your work, but something needs to be addressed there with low back. The person is not feeling fully supported and they're afraid. They're, they're, there's, some, there's some fear issues that need to be um, brought forward, talked about and looked at. Um, if, if the person you know, isn't consciously aware, their body's trying to give that message that there's something deep within that's not supported and that is afraid of moving forward or afraid there, there's there's fear rooted there yeah so what's one of the ways you use to diagnose people mm -hmm. um i i kind of use all my tools since i come from a background of both western science and and eastern uh, energy medicine um, I like to get gather all the information I can. I'm very analytical. So I like to gather all the information and then um, I, I let uh, everything sort of come forward and present itself. Uh, as I've matured and gained experience over the years, I have had more success and um, I, I truly sort of been blessed um, in, in, doing more of an intuitive kind of take. I'll, I'll look at all the information and if something physical or physiological isn't really standing out. And a lot of times, most of my patients have already had MRIs and CT scans and x-rays and they bring that information. I look over all of those tests. I look over all of the information and I look at the blood work and I do comparisons. And if I, there's not something that, that really sticks out and usually they've already seen, you know, oftentimes they've had surgeries or they've seen osteopathic docs or physical therapists and they've had a little bit of improvement, but something just hasn't quite healed or they've gotten to a specific point 
in their healing, but there's still a percentage where they just can't quite get any further. And so that's where the energy medicine and um, some of the beautiful spiritual and emotional uh, messages, that's sort of the piece of the puzzle that I can usually fill in. And then we can really get to the good juicy stuff of what's holding them back and, and what's um, presenting that maybe some Western allopathic practitioners haven't really had the tools to deal with or look at. Um, you know, we have these mechanistic, you know, Western medicine looks at the body mechanistically, right? Mm -hmm. This system, we have this specialist for this system, but they don't do this system, right? Right. Um, and, and, you know, unfortunately, that's how, we're, that's how we treat the body. We treat it like it's an automobile or a machine, um, very mechanistically. We're not looking at, oh, my gosh, so the kidney and the lung have a relationship energetically. So when we're treating asthma, we don't just treat the lung, we actually treat the kidneys, you don't, you won't see that in Western medicine. They don't make that, that relationship. Um, the heart and the small intestine have a relationship right. energetically and emotionally. You won't ever see a cardiologist working with a GI doctor, right? And so that's where this medicine gets really fun and interesting because it's weaving things and connecting things holistically that you won't ever really see when you're going to all of these specialists that are treating the body like it's a, a separate mechanistic thing right and that's where this stuff can get really beautiful and really fun and pretty profound when you start you're able to actually piece this together and understand what the body is trying to tell you um and that's that's well, that's where i feel like there's magic in this medicine yeah. oh of course so people with like GERD or you know they've had it they're they're on their way towards having a heart attack aren't they because it's pretty much well, well, here's the thing with the gut. My experience is the gut really truly is, they say it's the second brain. I think it's the first brain. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're processing so much information and so many of my patients are empathic. They mm -hmm. truly feel what's going on with the world and with other people. And they're internalizing that subconsciously all the time. Well, we have to think of the body in terms of, of processing information. And our gut just doesn't process food. And sometimes adding food actually just causes more problems for these people right. because they're already experiencing so much information overload from their empathic input, their sensory input, right? They're hypersensitives. So mm -hmm. they're not just seeing and hearing and processing consciously, but they're taking in everything all the time subconsciously and they're taking it all in intuitively. We even say things like I have a gut feeling, right? My gut right. tells me. Yes. Right? And so we truly are, we all are to some degree, some people more than others, but I find most people that have chronic um, conditions of the, of the GI system diagnosed, they're typically empathic and they're typically just processing so much information and no one's ever helped them learn how to process that information and understand what to do with it. You know, they have these skills and these gifts and they're empathic and they're sensitive and they're amazing, but they're also usually heart centered beings and they have trouble functioning in the world. So there's your connection. I'm processing so much here in my gut. You know, I'm processing the whole universe at some mm -hmm. date. You know, and this thing, you know, stuff going on now in our world, there's so much stuff going on internally, introspectively, but also collectively. And we're part, we're all a part of that. We're all so interconnected and we're all picking up this anxiety and fear. And, you know, even if we're saying we're not, we are, we're all digesting all of this, this information, right? Um, and yeah, so 
there's our gut issue is we have to learn how to manage our stress and we have to learn how to process and digest and metabolize all that other information before we can even think about metabolizing food. Right. Right. And so, you know, you teach people and give some, give people some skills to manage this stuff and just let them know they're not crazy and they don't have a disease. They have, they just simply are amazing processors, but this can be a gift too. You just have to teach people how to, how to manage this stuff in their lives. And no one's usually ever even been taught to in this way, especially from a physician. Mm -hmm. You know, instead they're given pills and right. the eyes and scopes and, you know, colonoscopies and well, we can't find anything wrong. So we're just going to manage this with pills the best we can. And you're probably just going to deal with this for the rest of your life. And these people are always in some stress and discomfort, you know? Um, so, but we never, we never teach people how can, how can I, as an empath process information more clearly, how can I use this as a, as a skill and as, as a gift, instead of um, identifying with myself as broken and diseased. What, what do you do for somebody that comes to you that doesn't know how to process mm -hmm. all that information that's coming in all at once? You know, probably one of the most important things to do for Westerners is to teach them to, to do meditation. How to, oh. be still, how to be still, how to breathe. Maybe some Tai Chi or Qigong breath work, yoga, you know, whatever meditation stillness practices that they can learn and implement mm -hmm. into their day to day lives. They'll be amazed if they just turn this off and breathe and meditate. You know, we, we Westerners, we're good with our religion and we're good with prayer, but we've mm -hmm. never been taught the importance of daily meditation and just teaching people to 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 pull pull everything in to sit in stillness to connect with their, their wisdom, you know, their inner being, remember who they truly are. You know, even before we came into form and before we in, incarnated, we were, we were spirit. We're divine. We have that all within. And so to reconnect with that and get out of the, 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 the anxious headspace, the sympathetic overdrive, you know, just simply shutting the mind down and doing breath work will stimulate your parasympathetic there. That's your rest and digest aspect of your nervous system. So just that simple thing alone can be a valuable tool to just give their guts a little bit of a chance to catch up with that, that, you know, sympathetic overdrive that most of us are stuck in these days. You know, most of my patients have some form of digestive issue. Mm -hmm. And if we can just simply teach, how to stimulate the parasympathetic nervous system through breath work and meditation, 90% mm -hmm. of their stuff goes away just with that alone. If they'll simply learn this practice. Oh, nice. Uh, we do have a couple more comments that have come in. Uh, uh, Cami says and that's K A M I she says that you saved her life. So, you know, same, you saved my life is what was said. And uh, AJ Sanders says, uh, Dr. Jamie looks historically at everything for healing. So you're going way back into somebody's childhood, I take it, right? To look yeah. at the diagnosing of that person. You know, I, I myself have been to practitioners, not that they're bad practitioners, but they're working in a system that is very abused. I won't even, I won't say broken, but it's very abused. Our Western medical system has been horribly abused and we all know it. Mm -hmm. It's been abused by insurance companies. It's been abused by big pharma. It's economic based. It's not a healthcare system. It's a sick care system because they, we, we benefit from keeping people sick. We benefit economically 
and keeping, keeping people sick and getting them well. And that's a crime in my opinion. Um, and, and, you know, I just speak truth because yes. I, I, I see all aspects of it. It has beautiful aspects, but it's a very broken system. It's an abused system. And, um, you know, I don't know how you can diagnose a, a patient by spending four or five minutes with them and asking them three questions. I personally have been to practitioners that never even looked me in the eye. They came into the room, they asked a few basic questions, they wrote a script and they left. And that was not what I was there for. Um, you know, and I, I hear patients every single day I'm in my office, they're bringing me stacks and stacks and stacks of blood work and tests and forms. And no one's ever sat down with them to even explain what these tests are. You know, I mean, if, if, if there's enough data where we can write four or five prescriptions, they get the prescriptions written. Oftentimes they bring prescriptions into me. They don't even know what those prescriptions are for. Mm-hmm. Or you the know. side effects. <laughs> and, and or the or the contraindications when you start mixing and matching things. Right. Right. So, um, you know, for me, what I love about what I do is I get to manage my time with each patient. So none of my patients will ever come to me and only have four or five minutes. I, I truly spend time with them. I listen to them. You have to really understand and and and, and get to know your, your patients and if possible, some of their family members too, because then you'll have an even better picture of what their life is. If you can't, you know, you don't really understand their background, what they're dealing with, what's going on at home with work, with family. If you don't even give an opportunity to, to share in, in four or five minutes of an interview, I, you don't have a chance. You don't even have time to get to know your, your patient or what they're really going through in their life. You know, you've also got to look at, at, you know, I've gotten folks that have been in the military. Okay. They've been diagnosed with PTSD. PTSD Mm -hmm. from, from what? PTSD from an experience in the military. PTSD from a dysfunctional family before they ever were driven to go to the military. Right. You've got folks that are LGBT. No one's even asking them, you know, how are you? What's going on in your life? Is your family supporting you? You know, emotionally, where, where are you? You know, um, most of them have so much shame and guilt and fear. And, you know, how can you how can you possibly have a, a working GI track and not have headaches? And when you aren't supported socioeconomically, you're not supported in your life. Um, you know, I, I have so many patients that are Hispanic and I have patients that come from many different ethnic backgrounds. And you have to look at the, the damage that's been done to these people and to their cultures and realize, you know, sometimes you're dealing with not only trauma that they've experienced their entire lives, but then you're also looking at, it, that, at it, you know, I like to think of it as, you know, like lineage healing, right? Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. They're carrying all of this forward from lifetimes hundreds and hundreds of years of, of mistreatment, what human beings have done to one another on this planet. We can't just pretend that's not all a part of our makeup and our DNA and our cellular memory. Our bodies are holding memory of all of these things. And if we can't be honest and open and transparent and, and really truly hold space for everything our clients, our patients, our, 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 our people are going through, then how can we heal it? You can't heal it with a pill. 
you can't heal it with a surgery. You know, acute catastrophic things, yes. But these chronic, ongoing problems and the hatred and the fear and right. the ignorance, you know, all of these things also affect how our bodies work because these bodies are just form. This body is just matter. But what this body is carrying is a spirit. And we all came here for a reason, a spiritual reason, a purpose. And I think that's what's missing in Western medicine is lack of spirituality. And really digging in and looking at all of the parts, all the pieces that make us who we are. Right. You know? and, and I really think if, if a practitioner isn't considering all of these things that their patients are going through, then all you're really doing is just treating symptoms. Yeah. Back in the day, back, you know, in the fifties, the forties, the, the doctors went to the patient's house yeah. and, and got to know the family and, you know, they were invited to dinner and they knew yeah. their situation, mm -hmm. but then, you know, the sixties came along the seventies, the eighties really uh, like pushed it into a whole different era where it was about the almighty buck. Yeah. You know, it started back in the seventies, but really yeah. took hold in the eighties. Oh, I've got one for you in China. When, when Chinese medicine really was, was first really became more famous throughout the country. The doctors were only paid if their patients were well. Wow. Now try that on if we flip that around. If our, if, our, if, our, if our practitioners in this country were only paid a salary if their patients were thriving and well. Yes, I agree. Then we would have a healthcare system. Because yes. Be, because there would be an incentive for them to get paid if their patients were truly healthy <laughs> instead of the other way around, right? Yes. I, I noticed some larger corporations in America today are doing health incentives for their employees. Uh, they pay them for every healthy day they have and, mm -hmm. and give them a little incentive not to call out of work. So mm -hmm. you're right. That would be great with the healthcare uh, practitioners too, as well. Like, if, you know, you get this much money for so many healthy patients you have. That yeah. would be awesome. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, then we'd probably take the time to get to know our patients better and look at their lifestyles and their socioeconomic background and and listen a little more carefully to uh, what they're what they're telling us instead of just writing a quick prescription that we'll probably get a kickback on if we write enough of those prescriptions. Right. Right. You know, we would be throwing pills at people. We'd be truly asking them, what are you eating? What's eating you? What's going on in your family? What's going on in your personal life? What's going on in your career? You know, how are you truly? because there would be an incentive uh, for us to get paid if our patients were thriving. And I wouldn't, that, that would be a beautiful paradigm shift, <laughs> you know? I, I totally, I a hundred percent agree with that. I mean, what a wonderful world this would be like the song. If, if we were all like that, we all uplifted and supported and helped each other out. I know that um, I used to go uh, to a teaching hospital for a doctor and it's like, it's a, it, you get, like you said, three minutes, you're in and out. They send you for all kinds of testing, but they really don't know what's wrong with you because they don't yeah. take the time to get yeah. to know you. Yeah. You know, and I, and I don't think it's because they don't care. I think there are some wonderful allopathic practitioners out there. Again, it's got to be really frustrating. I, I think, I, I truly think 
God, source, whatever you want to call it every day, that I didn't continue that path to Western medicine, because if I was stuck in that system, I would be really frustrated too. I'd be very frustrated. And I would feel very limited on what I could really do for my patients because I wouldn't have the tools to do anything different, you know, right. than, what, than what they're trained to do. And, um, and again, with emergency medicine and acute catastrophic events, I think they're brilliant. You know, I'm grateful that we have the emergency medical system that we have here in the United States. But for the chronic problems, we need to, we need to be asking a lot more questions. We need to be looking at... Um, I think a broader spectrum of what our patients' lives are like. Um, we need to be asking some of those questions and, and getting them to the right places um, to teach them how to manage their stress and support in communities. I, I, I think community is a huge thing. Um, I, I even think ceremony is an important thing. Most of us don't have a, a true tribe, you know, a true community. Our mm -hmm. country is very individualistic. And I think most people are, are truly um, would, would I think they'd have a lot of healing if they truly had more support in their communities or, you know, honest, transparent, true tribe. You know. Yeah. I mean, what about what about touch? Like doctors don't touch you anymore. Right. right? Yeah. Like they yeah. stand away from you. Yeah. Give you a questionnaire and that's it. You know, I, I have some very dear friends that are medical doctors and they truly have been trained not to get emotionally involved or attached to their patients. They're trained to be distant. They're trained not to ask those personal questions and not to really know their patients, um, which I think is just the opposite <laughs> of right. what we need to be teaching. Um, so, yeah, but it, it touches very important. Um, just knowing that you have love and support. Uh, you know, with, with what I do, I, I love that I get to, to talk to my patients. I love that I get to touch every one of my patients. Mm -hmm. There's an actual true energy exchange. And, and, you know, people ask me all the time, why, how do you get such good results so fast? I'm doing A, B, and C. And what are you doing that I'm not doing? And, and I'll tell you what my secret is. It's, it's intention. Oh. You know, I, I think intention is 90% of it. If you hold the, the, the most beautiful sacred space, and you're resonating a frequency of love and intention and compassion and empathy from your heart with your patients. I think that's 90% of it right there. People just need to be held. They need to know they're safe. They need to know they're seen and heard and that they're loved because I think truly love is that frequency that heals everything. I, I agree with you. I, I think that's very beautiful. And some of your patients have commented on here. We're blessed to have your patients listening in tonight. Uh, uh, Dr. Jamie, uh, well, AJ Sanders says, holistically, Dr. Jamie has brought healing to my my body and my mind. Uh, Bluebell says, this is a beautiful wealth of knowledge. Julie Hazlitt says, Jamie was able to resolve and pin, uh, uh, I'm sorry, pinformis muscle issue. Pinformis issue. <laughs> and that other doctors were not able to resolve and that you're amazing. How do you feel about that? All the love that's pouring in tonight. Even Tammy, our host uh, of Journeys in Consciousness, even uh, mentioned massive uh, lineage healing can uh, happen from you. So how does that make you feel hearing that from your patients? Uh, 
Honored, honored, truly honored. Um, you know, I, I love people. I love my patients. I, I you know, again, it, it comes down to that. Yes, we have, I've, I've had amazing teachers and I'm grateful for all the knowledge. Yes, I have some acronyms behind my name and I have some degrees on my wall, but truly I, I couldn't, and, and those are important things. You know, they, they, they brought me down a path that brought me to this place, but I truly feel like most things can be healed if people will just share themselves openly, just share your story and allow people in, open your heart space. It, it truly is love that heals. That, I mean, that is the secret to hold true compassion, empathy, sacred space. And if you just let that love in and through and open your heart and connect with everything from that heart space, you will evolve to a frequency where you can heal within and everything that is around you can heal. It's really that simple. So what about patients that were brought up not to be loved by the first people that they meet in their life, which we know parents. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, I think the most important thing is to realize that, those first relationships, although they may have been your parents and, they, and it may have been a challenging start, um, if you survive that, you're already a warrior. So mm -hmm. hats off to you for that and know how powerful you must be to survive something like that. And there's a reason why you survive that. It gave you tools. So those first relationships, those people can also be your first teachers. And I think the most important thing is to reclaim your power and trust yourself mm -hmm. and know that if you had some negative experiences early on in your life, that you have survived that. So you're powerful and you now have wisdom and tools and gifts and you can use that to help others. So... You're no longer a victim unless you choose to be, but you have right. the power. You have the power to heal that. And then you can use that. You, can, you probably gain so much wisdom and you probably have more tools and power than you know. So you can use all of that to, to heal within, to mm -hmm. forgive, to heal your lineage. As Tammy said, so much work can be done in healing your lineage and to realize that some of the wounds that you may carry and some of the imprints from society were really not yours. So first go back into that, do some introspective work and realize what's truly mine, what's truly me, who was I before mm -hmm. I came into this form, this life, and go to dig into that depth of power and then you can heal anything they say. We can heal seven generations back and seven generations forward. And I believe that is true. So if you've been given this challenge, it's also mm -hmm. an opportunity. I see challenges now as opportunities. Oh, if, that's we simply, nice. if we simply step into our, into our power and we trust ourselves and we get back into that heart space, all those things that you can do introspectively, you can then use to spread that love and that power outward to other people. And that's, that's some powerful healing. You're all healers. You're all healers. You just have to step into your power and do that. Do a little bit of work and forgive like those first imprints right. from society. That's not you. Some of those first challenges, maybe in your early relationships, 
Give all of that back to whom it belongs to. Say, thank you for the lesson. Thank you for the teaching. That's not me. That was never mine. That was never mine. And so just heal that and give that back. Give that back to society. Give that back to the systems that are now crumbling. So you can be happy now that the divine is taking us to a new world. We're going. People are scared to death, but it's actually divinely held. Trust that. Don't live in fear. Don't live with anxiety. Don't watch the news. Don't believe the propaganda. You just hold on to that piece of the divine that is within you, which we all have. And trust that you are loved and you are held and you can heal anything. I promise you, you can heal anything. You must be a really busy person. How do you take time for you, though? Um, it's important to find that balance. Um, mm-hmm. I truly feel that my purpose for being on this planet is, is, is to embody this and to share this and to just spread as much love and positivity as I can. And I truly am recharged every day. These people that are calling in and and saying, I did all these things. Actually you did all those things. I simply just shared some knowledge, some wisdom. I just helped you remember. And then I held space. You're doing that for yourself. You're doing that for others. You guys are amazing. All of you, my, my, my clients, um, my friends, anybody out there, I know you guys are listening to, tonight and you're supporting me and, and you know, just, I love all of you. I just love you. And, and truly that's what it's all about, guys. It's just about love, love and compassion. You can all, you don't have to have doctor titles behind your name. You don't have to have a clinic. You don't have to have any of that. You just have to love and hold compassionate space. That's all. That is very very, very wise words right there. Um, For some of our listeners that are not able uh, to come see you in Virginia, Mm -hmm. what advice would they give? Let's say they're like, you know, we talked about the meditation and setting intentions of healing ourselves and, and, and taking time. But what, if they're really terribly sick, you know, what are some, what would some advice you would give to them right off the bat? Like, would you, uh, would it be diet? Would it be the meditation, the breathing? Would it be a combination of both? You know, it's all there. There, there's so many wonderful tools. They're all wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely think cleaning up the diet, eating more organic, watching what you're putting into your system is important. Mm-hmm. I also think if you're someone that's out there really suffering and really, really sick, um, you know, definitely reach out to, to for support. You need you need a support system. Right. You know? And, um, you know, I'm sure there are people around with skill sets and knowledge. And if not, go seek them out, you know, um, but also. If you're having a lot of disease-related issues or a lot of symptoms, trust your body. Become friends with your body. Because, you know, our bodies, they truly are. They're our best friend. They're with us from beginning to end. And it's really the only thing that is with us beginning to end is our bodies. (laughs) Right? So there's wisdom in there. There's divinity in there. There's lineage in there. So go within and listen to your body. Listen to the communication. The symptoms are just, they're just communication. You know, we we tend to be very critical of our bodies. Mm -hmm. We 
tend to be very hard on our bodies. We, um, we want our bodies to look a certain way, perform a certain way. Um, we criticize our bodies. But instead, try to just see that symptom, that pain, instead of trying to take things to numb it out or make it go away, instead tune into it and then find out from someone like me or someone that has some training, what is that message? What is my body trying to communicate with this chronic symptom? Maybe it's internal, maybe it's pain, maybe it's gas, maybe it's constipation, whatever it is. Um, Find out from an energy medicine healer or shaman, find out what that message is that spiritual message and i find a lot of times once we just become aware with what the body's trying to communicate and we become friends with them we're like instead of going pain go away and we stuff ourselves full of pain medications or muscle relaxants instead of trying trying to numb it out and shove it down maybe instead change your perspective and say hey my best friend is actually trying to communicate something to me what is it how do i translate this message. And maybe if I understand what it's trying to communicate and I acknowledge what's being communicated, maybe it won't have to scream at me anymore. You know, I I love how you refer to your body as your best friend. It is. I I love that because it is true. And and what I tell my best friend, what I tell my patients all the time is instead of being critical of your body and critical of these symptoms, instead see it as your best friend that's being blatantly and boldly honest with you and listen, listen, listen first and tune in. And instead of being mad at your knee for hurting or mad at your back for hurting and disgusted with your body for not working right, instead go, wow, what is the deeper message in this? And thank you. Thank you for working so hard to serve me. And what am I not taking responsibility for or not doing in my life that isn't serving me because if I make those changes, my body will probably quit trying to communicate this message to me. There's always a deeper message. There's always a deeper message, which you have to be willing, willing to listen. And you have to um, become very good friends with your wisest, wisest friend. It's right here. And, and, and then quit being critical. You know, our bodies are trying to serve us. We're giving it mixed messages, right? If we make friends with it first and listen and then figure out what's trying to communicate and then take action on what's being communicated, problems will go away. I like that. That's I I'm a firm believer of that. You got to take the time, sit and listen. And that's Mm -hmm. where meditation comes in. Yeah. 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 Someone asked me one time, they said, Dr. Jamie, what's the difference between prayer and meditation? Because I try to do both, but I don't understand the difference. And, you know, I thought about that. It was a great question. And the best answer I could come up with was, you know, we Westerners are really good at doing the talking, but we don't hush up and listen very well. And for me, prayer is, you know, a good communication, right? A good conversation is always two way. Mm -hmm. You should talk a little bit and then you should hush and listen, right? Both ways. Right. And so I feel like prayer for me, and this is just my own individual answer, but I feel like prayer is us doing the talking and the asking and meditation is being still and listening because the answers will come, but we're usually not patient enough to sit still long enough to truly listen. 
That's real good advice for everyone on this planet to sit still and listen to yeah. to what your your body's saying to you, what your yeah. mind's saying to you. Exactly. And not to the news and not the propaganda and not to social imprint that have the wrong motives, but sit quietly with yourself and the divine and listen. And then that's the, the truest, wisest answers will come. I got you. I, I wanted to talk to you about, we were talking about spirituality, chi. Yeah. Uh, which is the spiritual, a spiritual aspect of our body, right? So chi, of course, Chinese medicine is all about chi, right? Right. Most people think that chi means energy. Chi mm -hmm. literally is the Mandarin word for breath. So chi gong, you know, tai chi, chi gong. Qigong, gong means work. So qi is breath. Breath. And breath is also energy. And breath is also spirit. Uh, you know, when you said earlier, what's the most important thing? Food, exercise, all those things are important. But probably the most important thing, the number one most important thing, and it's free, is to breathe. And breathe properly. And get back in touch with your breath. Because I think truly the, the, the breath breathing diaphragmatic true true breathing and being still and connecting with that breath i think i think that's where the divine is is in our breath and that's where life force is is in our breath i mean the first thing we do when we squeeze through our mother's birth canal you know and and, and it, we, the first thing we do when spirit truly comes into form is we take that big breath right? Yeah. And the last thing that we do before we depart this body, this form, and we go back into the ethereal spiritual realm, we go back into the light. The last thing we do in this body is breathe. So I think this, there's a very spiritual divine connection to the breath. I do. What is a, a good breathing technique that you give to your patients um, when they you know, come into your office? There's so many wonderful styles of breath work out there. And I would say mm -hmm. you know, just find one, just try several and find one that feels right with you. But, you know, the most important thing is to, to, is to breathe diaphragmatically. Most of us are not even consciously aware that when we're stressed and when we're in pain, we're holding our breath completely. Or we're breathing very shallow using our neck muscles and our our pectoralis muscles, which is like an asthmatic, right? And that's why most of us have neck tension and, and shoulders are up here like this, right? Um, because we're using those as breathing muscles. Those are really secondary breathing muscles. We're not supposed to engage our, our neck muscles and our pec muscles when we breathe. Unless right. we're asthmatic, right? But most of us are doing this shallow labored breathing and we're, we're exchanging air, but we're really truly not breathing. If you watch an infant breathe before they're imprinted upon and before they have stress, they're breathing perfectly. Their neck isn't engaged. Their pectoral, pectoralis muscles, intercostal muscles are not really fully engaged. They're breathing perfectly just down into their bellies. They're just, their little bellies are going up and down and they're happy and they're peaceful because they're truly breathing with their diaphragm. And most of us as adults, we're not breathing with our diaphragm at all. So the most important thing that I can share with all of you is to practice breathing into your belly. Relax your neck completely. Disengage your neck. Disengage your chest. 
and breathe down into your belly. Make your belly literally go up and down and it's gonna feel very foreign and uncomfortable at first because you stopped breathing correctly. If you can just practice the diaphragmatic breathing, that's the most important thing, first and foremost. And then when you get good at that, then you can practice some other more advanced breathing techniques. I teach Qigong and what I teach is inhale through the nose, exhale out the mouth, but most importantly, align your spine and breathe into your belly. Relax your neck and shoulders and breathe into your belly. Breathe with your diaphragm. And that 90% of your stuff will probably go away. Your blood pressure will go down. Your digestion will improve. Your parasympathetic nervous system will be engaged. Your sympathetic nervous system, your stress and anxiety and insomnia will abate just from simple diaphragmatic breathing. Just from breathing like we did when we were little babies before we were imprinted upon and stressed out. <laughs> It's simple. It's really that simple. Wow. And, and so they do that every day for how long though? You, you, you know, want to do it as just much as long as you can? Do it, do it every day when you have an opportunity. When you're sitting at a, at a stoplight, instead of getting stressed out and looking at your phone, breathe into your belly. When you're standing in line at, at a grocery store or Target or Walmart, instead of being like wondering if you shouldn't have picked the longest line, take that as a moment to just stand there and smile and breathe through your belly. Instead of being stressed out, take those opportunities to breathe. You know, every, day, every time you have an opportunity, five minutes, three minutes, breathe, conscious breathing. If you have a break at work, instead of going out and smoking a cigarette or seeing what's on the latest Facebook thing, stop all that and breathe. Go outside, look at the sky, connect with divine and just breathe. Three minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever you got. Do it several times a day. And at night, when you're trying to sleep, instead of racing through all the things you have to do tomorrow, just shut this off and connect with your breath. Before you go to sleep, when you first wake up, just make those little increments of time throughout your day to do it. And then it'll start becoming more and more natural and you won't have to consciously make an effort to do it anymore. You'll start breathing the way we should have all been breathing all along. How careful are you with what you feed your mind? Very careful. In fact, I don't watch TV. I don't have cable. I haven't had cable in 13 years. Wow. Yeah. And I, I, I just don't watch TV at all. I don't even really get on Facebook. I have a Facebook page out there somewhere. I don't, I don't ever get on it. Right. Um, I'm, not, I'm not saying you have to give up those social media sites because I know there's, there's, there's good in that too. But um, it's really important what you feed your mind. I think most of us are, are all this anxiety and fear. I think most of us are brainwashed. Sometimes I wonder with this whole COVID thing, if we weren't tuned into some type of media platform, would we have even known? Some of us probably wouldn't even know. Right. At all. Right. Right. So, so you know, so I'm not saying it's not real. I'm not saying it's not out there, but no. you know, many of us wouldn't even know it was happening in the world if we weren't plugged into some type of media. Right. So how crazy is that? I look out at nature. I see the trees. I see the birds. I see the animals. They're living life just the way they always have. So some of this stuff, we have to be careful, guys, because what we're putting up here, our minds are so powerful. Our minds I believe are creating the reality that we're living in. That's how powerful we are. And most of us are stuck living in a reality that was created for minds that preceded us. Yes. Think about that. Yes. Right. 
And then what we're manifesting here and all this fear and anxiety and propaganda, what is that bringing forward for us? Not you know, good. <laughs> human beings, we have, we're so powerful. We are putting out frequencies every day with our thoughts alone. That's how powerful it is. And so what are we manifesting and allowing all this fear and anxiety and propaganda to run through our minds and our hearts and our lives? What, what we're bringing forward is we're manifesting exactly what we're being programmed to manifest. If you want to change that reality, change what you're thinking and change what you're allowing to go into your mind, because that is powerful. Yeah, I just wonder how many of us can do without a TV for a day or a computer. Uh, yeah, right. Well, be worth a try for a TV. Start with the TV. Yeah, you know, I get all. My, I can still get my news. I'm not. I'm not out here flailing around, not knowing what's going on. I get a lot of my news just from plugging into the to the computer when I need it. But I'm also really careful with the sources that I tap into. You know. And then I get a lot of my great news from my geriatric patients because they're always watching everything for me. So, oh, of course, <laughs> of course. But you know, you guys, we, we've got to take control. We've got to take responsibility. We've got to stop giving in to this fear because, for me, what's going on in the world right now, the most contagious thing going on is fear. And yes. most evil, ignorant, awful things that we've done to one another throughout history on this planet is is from fear. Everything's to me rooted back to fear. So we got to be really careful with what we're doing, what we're thinking, what we're allowing. Yeah, if we, I mean, if I, could, if I could take all the fear frequency, which is really low, and bring it up to heart space love frequency, love mm -hmm. compassion frequency, we'd eliminate most of what's happening to us right now. Yeah, I, I've always reminded the listeners of this show that there's only two basic emotions, fear and love, and you yeah, have well, a choice. Well, most most human emotions, there when you when you trace them back right to the deeper, deeper roots, just like everything, everything's connected, right? You trace most of those other emotions down. It, they're really pretty much rooted in either love or fear. What's what's your choice? Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, so what, what is, a, what is like a typical day for you? Because I, I know you work and, and I know you're creating, um, uh, teaching more and more people, which I'm so thankful you're doing that. Thank you uh, for, for your project that you have going on. But what does a typical day look for you? Like, oh, it depends on the day. Um, you know, I do, I do see clients, um, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. I take Wednesdays off. Um, I have a, a beautiful wife, Melissa, and she's a breathwork facilitator. So our, it was actually the work that sort of brought us together. Mm. Um, and we're collaborating and doing a lot of, of work together as well outside of our individual stuff. I've got my oriental medical practice and she's got her breathwork stuff that she does. And, and we also hold retreats and ceremonies. Um, we're developing our own little tribe around that. So that's, that's, my, that's the fun part. Yes. Um, developing our little community of like-minded people here and, and it's growing into other states and even to other countries. So that's, that's beautiful and exciting. Um, I'm also um, a parent of a beautiful 13 year old. My wife has two beautiful teenagers, a 15 and 17 year old. So we also are managing that. Um, it's uh, it, it's busy life, but it's a beautiful life. I wouldn't have it any other way. 
Um, and then once in a while, I do, I, I, I do my own meditations and I try to get to the gym at least three times a week for mm -hmm. even if it's 30 minutes just to keep the physical body moving. Um, so, yeah, and we love to travel. You know, with, with COVID, we haven't really had as much opportunity to do the international travel that we would have liked to have done. But that's also been nice in being able to get more stuff done with the homestead. You know, everybody's working on their home projects a little more right now. So, you know, I, we, it, it's uh, it, sometimes it's challenging to navigate everything, but uh, I try not to have that approach that it has to all come from me. It actually I feel like I just stay in alignment with with the divine. And, and oftentimes I'll wake up in the morning and I will just literally say, you know, I'm here to serve in whatever way you need me the most. That, that's my purpose here. I'm here to serve in whatever way you need me the most. So if there's someone that needs my support, someone needs me to listen or hold space, just bring them, just bring them into my path. And so I feel like every day it, there's, I'm being divinely held and divinely guided. And um, I just go with, with that each day and, and do my best to serve. And then at night I, I sleep and I, when I sleep, I sleep hard. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. bet that's you know, great. It's, 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 it's a, it's beautiful. It's a, I, I just, I just do my best to stay in alignment with, um, with love. Uh, there's so much love here. I know there's ugliness and there's all this crazy stuff, but you know what guys, there's so much love here. There is. And, and you, <laughs> you just tap into that and hold on to that. You'll get through anything. You will. I want to tell you a few more comments here. Cammie, uh, she says, and you can't teach intention. Uh, uh, what uh, Dr. McLaughlin brings to the patient is miraculous. I envy everyone who lives in Virginia. I miss him terribly here in New Mexico and hugs to you. Uh, my uh, Kathy, she writes, I need to learn to heal. She wants to learn to heal, um, you know, and again, I think that's more of the mind. The mind is a very powerful tool that we have access to, yeah. but we'll let you talk about that. Uh, Nathaniel says, hi, doctor. AJ says, breathing is something new. Dr. Jamie taught to us. Um, Alexander Hess wants, uh, what are some of the news sources that you choose to watch? You know, you're going to laugh. I NPR a little bit. Mostly um, I let my wife do all that. That's uh -huh. one beautiful thing about being married. I, I just let her do all that. And she just tells me what is, what is uh, the most important thing. So I, I give Melissa credit for all that. She, she stays um, in touch with, I, I really don't, it, it sounds awful. I really don't get on and look up things much at all. Um, I let my, my wife navigate most of that. So I'd honestly have to ask her where she's getting our news sources, but I, I, she's so far, she hasn't led me astray. So, Oh, that's great. Well, you know, I just learned about Chernobyl and that happened back in the eighties. So that just tells you where my mind is all the time yeah. Yeah. up in the clouds thinking something crazy. Right. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, 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 I tell you, I don't consider myself religious, but I am very spiritual. And I, I really, truly, where I get my charge, guys, is nature. I mean, I, I, I definitely do my breath work and I definitely do my meditations. But I tell you what, what's keeping me healthy and thriving is, is connecting with nature every opportunity I have. And I, I try to make it a daily thing. You know, trees. Mm-hmm. 
mountains, hikes. Some of you may love water, so lakes, ocean, whatever. Um, as I've gotten older, I used to love oceans and water. As I've gotten older, I truly connect with the trees. The trees recharge me every day, and trees are everywhere. Oh, you know, yes, they are. Go someplace fancy um, or have a three-hour drive to get there or make a full day of it. I Sometimes I literally just go sit and, and meditate with trees. Trees give me so much information. It, it, it's so symbiotic, trees and humans. So I, I find a lot of wisdom just sitting at the base of an old tree and just sitting there breathing and connecting with it. And I feel like trees talk to me sometimes. I get so much information. So um, earlier I mentioned uh, that you're working on a project. Mm -hmm. And yeah. could you tell our listeners what that project is? Yeah. So years and years ago, Cammie's, how I met Cammie, was, she was one of my students, in fact. Um, I used to teach. I used to teach a, a quite a lot. And uh, since I've moved um, from New Mexico to the East Coast, it, life has just been so busy that I haven't done much teaching. I mean, I do this little individual stuff with patients or small groups sometimes with my wife, um, but I've really um, not done the storytelling and the teaching that I used to do. And even now, I, I get so many people every week that reach out to me um, that find me through my website or uh, they somehow find me and they email me and they say, Dr. Jamie, the, the things you taught me 20 years ago, 15 years ago, changed my life, changed the life of course that I took, changed my family. And I just want to tell you, thank you. And so a lot of that has been coming back from former students from decades ago. This past year, throughout all of COVID, I keep getting these these calls from out of the blue and emails from out of the blue from from students that I taught 20 years ago. And so that message to me from spirit is you need to teach again. And I really don't have time to teach the way I used to have holding classes weekly. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm going to stop being, I have this aversion with technology, you know, and so I'm going to, I'm going to heal that and I'm going to start doing more teachings. I'm actually getting ready to put together a, a, a big course that's, it's, it's sort of going to be a little bit about um, energy healing, but how to do a lot of this stuff for yourself, like self-care. But right. teaching, teaching lay persons, anyone can benefit from it. Um, I used to teach more to um, massage therapists. And then for a while, I taught to physical therapists because mm -hmm. the energy medicine and teaching the emotional stuff that ties into the physical body and how to, how to decipher what the body's saying, like Lisa's question with the low back, what can that mean? Right. Um, I know Lisa that called in. I believe it's Lisa. I, I think it is. She's an amazing physical therapist in New York. Um, and uh, she's she's brilliant. And she's now starting to embrace the fact that, you know, she's shared with me. I can only get my patients to a certain place with the physical therapy, but there's still something missing. And I feel like what it is, is what you teach with the emotional and spiritual aspects about what the body's trying to communicate. And so looking at the energy body, and looking at the emotional aspects of that energy body and being able to take it to another level with the physical therapy is what she's doing. And I tell you, there's magic in that. So I'm teaching, I'm getting ready to teach this class that's gonna be a lot of that. Um, it's gonna be energy medicine, a little bit of basic traditional Chinese medicine, and then it's gonna be all about self-care and how to understand like where fear is, where, where, where and how does fear present, in what ways? physically, physiologically. In what ways does anger present? In what ways does um, grief present? Grief is a huge one. 
Um, so I'm going to be teaching this class about where grief is held on, on a cellular level and what symptoms over time can start presenting with grief that your body is holding from an experience and, and, and how we heal trauma ourselves, how we can heal trauma ourselves, but to first understand where that traumatic experience, where that story, where that memory is and how we bring it forward and heal it ourselves. So that's what this class is going to be about is first how to map the body, how to understand what the body's trying to communicate, where the emotional trauma, physical trauma might be held and what that actually looks like and how we bring that forward and heal it ourselves through breath work, through body work, through self-massage, and maybe through some work on our, our each other. So that's what this class is going to be about. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be fast paced, but there's going to be some really incredible, magical information. But I'm going to teach it in a way so that physical therapists, massage therapists, doctors, but even laypersons, anyone, I'm hoping many of my patients will tune in. I'm going to teach it in person, but I'm going to have three cameras on me. And then we're going to edit those cameras out and actually offer it as an online course for everyone as well. So it'll be a, a taught one time, one time only here in Richmond and people are welcome to come. I'm going to probably limit the class to 20 people, 20, 25, uh -huh. but with the understanding that will also be recorded, I'll have three different camera cameramen on it. And then we'll, we'll, we will be offering it as an online course so that it can cross borders and proximity doesn't have anything to do with it. Cause I've got folks in Europe that are wanting to class. I've got folks in other States that are wanting to class. So I feel like it's going to be this amazing, I'm, I'm having an assistant right now, put the material together for me so that we'll have it and we'll have diagrams. We'll have things like that behind me as I teach. Cause I just want to do the fun part and teach it and do the actual hands-on stuff, but they're going to be filming it. But then I'm also going to have the information um, you know, coming up on a PowerPoint that my assistant's putting together for me right now. So it's going to be a, a super cool class. It's going to be fun. And it's going to be a lot of really valuable information that everyone truly can benefit from. But it will also be a class that will be continually offered online forever. So that the, the information will at least be out there because probably the technology is going to be around a lot longer than, than I will be. <laughs> so, <laughs> So, so at least this information can, people can have access to it because I feel like it's really important right now. And I feel like there's a lot of people seeking this exact information. And I feel like I can offer it and put it together in a, in a really experienced, beautiful way that um, it, it's a good, it's time to put it out there. So that's what we're working on right now. Um, it'll be, it'll be out in 2022. Um, I don't have an exact date. We're still putting it together, but mm -hmm. I, I, my intention, my goal is to have it out there for everyone in 2022. So, I gotcha. And will yeah. your wife be doing the breath work on the video, you know, be teaching um, the breath work or is that going to be you? I don't think she'll be teaching the breath work. I might have her do a little segment, but my wife has a ton of teachings already out there. So probably what I will do as part of the course is sort of plug her and some of her work. She's got a lot of beautiful teachings and recordings already out there and more coming. Mm -hmm. So um, right now she's actually doing a lot of really cool sacred geometry music with um, a brilliant musician and she's putting breath work to that live music. So that's going to be offered soon too. She's, 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 she's doing a lot of great teachings. Um, she's put a lot more out, you know, virtually than, than I've, than I've been brave enough to do. So I'm sort of following um, her footsteps in offering some virtual stuff. Yeah. 
Well, just let me tell you, you're doing a fabulous job this evening, and and I, I love the energy. I can feel your love coming off. I, you really have this genuine love for your patients, and for even the new people that have been asking questions tonight, uh, you know, they can feel your energy too as well, and I'd love to have your wife on the yeah. show uh, yeah. to talk about breath work, because that's really important. Yeah, you, you should. I'll, I'll, I'll definitely make that connection. And Melissa, um, she's, uh, pretty, she's got some beautiful things to share. Yeah, her breathwork is pretty amazing. And what's interesting is she, you know, she does the ceremonial breathwork. And here I come from Qigong. And most people don't know Qigong literally is Mandarin for breathwork. So that, the breathwork actually is what brought us together. That's how I met her. So. Oh, wow. Is Qigong like movement and breathing at the same time? It's, it's, Qigong is breath work, but it's with movements and meditation. So it's it's all of it in one combination. And there are many forms of Qigong, just like there's are, you know, Tai Chi. People are more familiar in the West with Tai Chi. Tai mm -hmm. Chi is a branch of Qigong. So the, just like there's many styles of breath work, there's many styles of Qigong. But Qigong, you know, the actual translation is breath work but it is more of a breath work with gentle movements. So you're working the breath, but you're breathing in particular ways. And then you're opening up meridians and moving that chi through the body so that you're releasing that, that pain, that stagnation, that trauma, that emotion, whatever it is. Yeah. And, and you said meditation too. So that's gotta mm -hmm. be like, uh, first you've got to learn the movements, right? And so, the breath. Qigong is, is, it comes from China. And so uh -huh. it's truly a soft form of martial art. And, you know, as with most martial arts, most Westerners don't have that degree of discipline, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so there is a discipline with it. Qigong typically is done in complete silence. So you actually are focusing about 40 feet out and, you know, I'd like to do it outside. I think most Qigong masters prefer to do it in the early morning outdoors. So you're connecting with the energy of nature and, and sun, right. um, yin and yang, right? Um, it, but it's, it's important with Qigong to actually have your, 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 your eyes are about 40 feet out and you're focusing on a tree or a flower or a blade of, blade of grass but it's actually important that you're in a meditative state. So you're actually doing, it, it's a meditation, but it's a moving meditation. And so you're moving your body in alignment with particular breathwork patterns, but you're at all times silent and in meditation. So it's moving meditation. Now the breathwork, like the breathwork that Melissa teaches, it's not, it's not, um, it's not silent. You know, she actually plays a lot of really beautiful spiritual angelic music. And uh -huh. I think the music as a sensory type of thing can, can add a whole nother level. So it's a little different style. She, it's a ceremonial style of breath work. And she teaches a particular breath, three part breathing pattern where it's, you know, upper and then, you know, also a, a heart, you know, uh -huh. heart but also a diaphragmatic. So it's a three part breathing thing that she teaches. It's, it's actually very, very beautiful. And, and a lot of times people release a lot of trauma with that style too. But hers is like lying down on your back on a mat and just doing the, the, the active breathing patterns in different frequencies to very divine music. Like there's a frequency of music that she's, she's using as well for part of the, the whole experience. So that is a little different than the Qigong, but it's all still breath work, right? And right. It's still, still releasing trauma and connecting with the divine breath. Yeah, and I and you've mentioned breath 
all through this presentation and I in, in your talking. So the breath is just like the single most important thing that we can do for ourselves. You know, you know it's interesting. Uh, years ago, I had the, the honor of meeting Andrew Weil. Many of you probably are familiar with Andrew Weil. Uh, he's a medical doctor. Um, and, you know, he studied with all these different indigenous people. So he comes from that allopathic scientific background, but he's also very much, he's a big advocate of herbs and he studied with indigenous peoples all over the world. And he was interviewed and I was, I was honored. I got to hear part of this interview and someone asked him that exact question. They said, of all the people you've studied with and all the things, you know, both Eastern and Western and alternative medicine and, and you know, allopathic medicine, if, if you gave people just one, one tool, if you could only say one thing of all the stuff, you know, with nutrition and diet and lifestyle and herbs and food and, you know, medications and all these different things. What's the one thing if you're only given one one thing to advise people do to improve their overall health? What would be the one tool that you would want them to acquire? And he smiled and he said, oh, that's simple. Breathe. Learn how to breathe. You know, and that course, that was like, he was already someone I had great admiration for. But when he said that, I was like, this guy is genius. <laughs> and, yeah. yeah. I, I he, love that. He is famous as he is and all the stuff that he's done. And oh my gosh, you know, he yeah. actually, he's actually designed all these integrative medical, um, you know, uh, clinics and, and University of Arizona was one of the first truly integrated um, teaching hospitals. He was the he was the founder of all that. He started this. You know, he's a visionary. He started this way before it was it was an end thing to do. Right. And, and yet, even with him and all of his experience and brilliance and all the multitude of degrees that he has, and all the amazing continents he studied with indigenous peoples all over every single continent in the world. You know, guy's genius. He's done so much. And even he narrowed it down to one thing. Just breathe, learn how to breathe again, breathe properly. Yeah. So, so we have a, uh, uh, a comment. Uh, in fact, it's coming from your house. It says, if you have never had acupuncture before and have a fear of needles, how would you describe the experience to persuade somebody to come and have acupuncture? Oh, sure. So again, there's different styles of acupuncture. Um, there's different techniques. The technique that I prefer that I use, it's a Japanese style of needling. Again, I use Chinese diagnostics because they're so spot on. Uh -huh. uh, but the needling style that I use is, is a very gentle Japanese style of needling. Um, I would say if people have a fear of needling, first of all, I wish we didn't even call them needles because acupuncture needles are not really needles. They're more like little filaments. If you've never seen one, they're little, they, they're about as coarse as a hair. Okay. Uh -huh. They are solid filiform needles or filaments, if you will. Right. Um, they're not even sharp at the end. If you looked at them very carefully under a microscope, they have a blunt tip. And so it's a very different experience than having a shot or having blood taken. There's no fluid exchange. And the needles are actually not much more, any more coarse than, than a hair. So when I try to explain to my patients what it's going to feel like, because I usually like to explain it before I do it. So mm -hmm. they don't have, you know, they're not tense. If anyone's ever plucked your eyebrows or pulled one single hair, it feels like that. And sometimes not even that much. Sometimes you don't feel them at all because they're right. such small filaments. They're, they're literally going through a pore. So it, it's that tiny, right? You're talking like a 36, 40 gauge needle, which is about the, the, the circumference of a, of a coarse hair, like a gray hair. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it really, you, oftentimes you won't feel them at all. 
Um, if you do feel them at all, it feels like I plucked one single hair very quickly and then that's it. So if you've ever plucked your eyebrows, which most of us have, right? Um, some of them, when you pluck your eyebrow, you don't feel at all, right? You just pluck, pluck, pluck. You don't feel them. And then once in a while, there's this one that's like, ooh, that was in there, right? That was really right. Weird. So once in a while, one of them may feel like that for a split second, just like pulling a hair and that's it. And then once it's in, you don't feel anything. And as far as the overall experience, uh, people never believe me when I first say this, but when they come in and actually have the experience, they're always really blown away with how relaxing it is. Most of my clients go into an altered state, like a very relaxed, almost meditative state. Um, many of them say they journey, they'll get visions, um, much like a psychedelic experience with psilocybin. They'll have that same experience because it's working with your body's chemistry. And it's working with electrical systems and chemical systems. So, you know, I, I think of the points like little switches. If you want to turn the light on, you don't get a ladder and go to the bowl. I mean, you can, but we all know you just go to the silly little switch. And that's really what these points are, is they're, they're switches that are sending an electrical and a chemical signal to various parts of the brain for an outcome. And that's, that's kind of what we're doing. That's why, we, for instance, if you come to me for a headache, I'm probably not going to do any points on your actual head. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't want to bring more blood flow to an area that's already having vasodilation, vasoconstriction issues that would actually right. probably exacerbate the problem. So you do these distal points that I consider like switches. They're usually going to be points in the hands or the feet for a headache. And uh, they're little switches that are communicating electrical and chemical signals to your heart and to your brain to turn on and off, you know, uh, signals that are causing various problems, depending on where the headache is and what the headache is related to. I've had acupuncture done and tears just come out of my eyes, just Sometimes. laying there. And I wasn't thinking anything sad right. and it didn't hurt, mm -hmm. but just tears just started pouring down. It was like a release. Yes. And, and you know, some, I've had patients that literally will start laughing hysterically and mm -hmm. they, they like, I'm just like, they're, they're like, what am I laughing at? I'm like, I don't know. It's just a release, you know? Um, but more often people will sometimes tear up or cry often, not an emotion attached to it. Sometimes there is sometimes not. It depends on what you're releasing. Right. This is what I love about the acupuncture and the energy medicine is, you know, it, it doesn't really matter what the story is so much. It's that your body's holding the information that's not serving you. So it's stuck in your system somewhere, somehow. Uh-huh. And what the acupuncture can do is it can actually give your body a way of letting go of the trauma, the emotion, the stuckness, whatever it is, um, the pain, you know, could be emotional pain, physical pain, whatever, doesn't matter so much. You know, I mean, stories are important, but not if we're holding on to them and they're not serving us anymore. And they're actually keeping us from journeying on into what we're supposed to be doing here. Right. They're holding us back. You know, my son was three years old. He came to my office with me one day. I was treating a few people on a Saturday and I had him with me three years old. And I explained to my patients, I said, you know, he may come into the room. I don't want him to be scared. So I'm going to leave the door cracked if that's okay with you. I don't think he'll come in, but I just want him to know where I'm at. And they're like, oh, that's fine. <laughs> so he was in my reception area and I would leave the door cracked. Well, I was working on a patient. I was working on her back and I saw my little three-year-old toddler peeking in through the crack at the door, just watching me. He didn't say anything. He didn't come in. He was just watching me. And then he walked down the hall and went back to his little area where I had his stuffed animals. Uh -huh. And so I finished with my client and I walked out to see where he was. 
and he was just playing with his animals, right? He is, he was fine. So I finished up with those three clients that day. And then I was taking him out to my car and I was putting him in his car seat and I got in the car I got it in, in, in front and he was sitting behind me and he goes, daddy, Jamie, you're a good person. I said, Oh, well, thank you. I try, I do my best, you know? And he goes, yeah, you help people when they're stuck. Oh, <laughs> what a and I, I, I never will forget that because I thought, oh my gosh, of all the ways that I've tried to explain what I do to people and how this works, a three-year-old saw one little treatment and he got it. You know, that's exactly how this stuff works. It just helps you when you're stuck, you know, when and your it's life. Funny, you're, the, the irony is you're getting stuck yeah. with needles right. to get unstuck. Right. A little play on words, but a three-year-old. Yeah. And I remember thinking, yeah, wow, that's brilliant. That's exactly what I do. It's like, that's how this works. It helps people to get unstuck in all, in every way that you can use that frame, right? It, it, literally, figuratively, it, it helps you to get a little bit unstuck. So um, for our listeners out there that uh, they're not in the Richmond, Virginia area, they want to experience, they should seek out doing the Japanese type style of acupuncture. Um, Not necessarily. You know, I think some of it, just like if you've ever had a massage or if you've ever had physical therapy or any physiotherapy, a chiropractic, I think part of the essence of the practitioner is kind of how they deliver their work, right? So for me, my personality, my essence, I tend to like to approach things with a little bit more of a gentle nature. Mm -hmm. I like to ask the body instead of telling it, you know, I feel in my experience, more people have had trauma. They've had plenty of trauma, so they don't need an aggressive needling style. They don't need more trauma, (laughs) you know? Um, so for me, I like to gently just, just connect with and communicate with what their body's trying to say, honor it, realize it's trying to serve. It's just some confusion with the communication information's being crosswired a little bit. So I just try to get in there and, and help to, um, help iron out some of the miscommunication that's going on from spirit to body and back to spirit. Right. And so for me, the best way that I can manage that treatment and hold space for that is to just gently connect with the body, honor it. Thank you for serving. And here's where I can feel stuff is stuck. And let's just open up that and just build a bridge for that so that that can release. So you don't have to suffer from that anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so for me, it's just a gentle asking and a showing that energy where to go so that it can release and move on and not disturb this, this person, this, this beautiful soul anymore. So that's all I'm doing is I'm just trying to help it find its way. I'm just, I'm just, I tell people I'm like a a jumper cable between two sources. I'm just connecting and helping the the information go where it needs to go because information just gets stuck and confused. And that's really what I'm doing. So how many times does somebody have to have acupuncture? Is it ongoing? It really depends. It depends on how convoluted the story is mm-hmm. and how long the problem's been going on. Um, and, and then, you know, just like we're all genotypically unique, we're all information unique. I've had patients that literally, it's interesting, and I can never predict or promise who's going to be a fast responder and who's going to take more time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's fascinating. I've had people that are, for instance, I had a young man one time come to me. He was native American. He was diabetic. He was on metformin. 
Um, he came to me for it. I'd worked on a couple of his family members and been able to, to support them and, and help their conditions. And so he wanted me to see if I could help him with his diabetes. Right. He came in, I gave him a treatment. I didn't even put him on any herbs or anything. I just wanted to see how his body processed that information. And so I told him, I treated him, worked a lot with his kidneys and adrenal and cortisol. And that's kind of what I did with that one acupuncture session. And then I told him, I said, I tell you what, this, it was a Friday. I'll never mm -hmm. forget it. I said, I tell you what, why don't you go home this weekend and then just call me if, you know, I think your blood sugars are going to kind of level out here. Just, you know, just call me when your blood sugars act up again. And I figured Monday I'd get a call sometime that following week I'd get a call. I never heard from him again for almost a year. Wow. And so I, I thought, well, he must not have liked the treatment or it didn't work for him or he thought it would, you know, so I never heard from him. I didn't take it personally. I moved on. Uh -huh. About a year later, he calls me. And he says, Dr. Jamie, I think I need another treatment. And I said, oh, okay, well, I didn't hear from you for a year. And I, I, I thought maybe you didn't like it. And he goes, no, you told me to call you when my um, sugar started elevating again. And they're just now starting to act funny again. That one treatment, he said, my blood sugars have been perfect for a year. I came off the metformin that very next week. And oh, I wow. didn't yeah. He said, I came off the metformin the very next week. I didn't change anything, but you told me not to call you till my, till my blood sugars got weird again. And it, they're just now starting to fluctuate again. So I'll never forget that. Cause I thought, Oh my God, you know, <laughs> like don't, I can't advertise that because diabetics would be lined up down the hall. Right. Um, and, and that was, that was really miraculous, you know? So I get those cases where it's like one and done and it, it's, it's amazing. It's a miracle for those people. Um, and then I get other people that, you know, it may take 40 or 60 treatments before they even see a hint of improvement. Um, right. I would say on average, though, even people that have chronic, pretty serious stuff going on, usually within four to six treatments, we're seeing some improvement. We're, we're getting something, you know, um, when there's lineage stuff. Again, some people are just they've done all this other work and they're just ready. They're just ready for that next layer to be taken away. And this is kind of that one, you know, we just, there it is. Um, but they've already been doing some work, you know? Um, and then I get other people that are just coming in and they're just terrified and they just need to be, they just need a safe place to come in and, and start peeling that first layer away, you know? And I just try to meet everybody where they're at. So how long people need to come, it really depends. It depends on how deep it runs and how fast and you're willing to, to step in there and be a warrior and do the work. Cause sometimes there's some homework that I got to give you. Um, sometimes it's nice to combine it with other things. If it's emotional and lineage and, and, um, and there, there's been a lot long history of, of trauma and abuse, mm -hmm. I would advise maybe people start considering some psychedelic type of ceremonies um, mm -hmm. to, dig in there and do some of that, that work that can be really profound and fast and beautiful. Yeah. Um, you know, again, I just meet every single person where they're at depends on what they're presenting with, what their history is and where they are with their openness of um, being willing to, to really dive in and, and, and talk about the wounds and the, and, uh, and he get it healed. Well, 
Um, we have already come to our 90 minutes. I told you it would just go by really fast. And I really, we didn't even go into China, into the herbs. So I hope that right before you do your programming, your project, that you will come back on here again and talk to. to us about the herbs and other things that are going on. You have so many beautiful patients, even uh, my co-host Tammy Lacente is like, Jamie, a seriously relaxing atmosphere and his energy is amazing and we would just love to have you back on the show you know in 2022 talking about what's going on and and go go deeper because it's hard we just scratched the surface tonight yeah yeah for sure we just scratched the surface there's so many amazing topics so many things we could discuss and talk about you know yeah yeah i'd be honored just uh let me know we can we can arrange to 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 uh dive in again Great. Beautiful. And I, I would love to have your wife on. She's a beautiful energy that I got to meet yeah. earlier. Yeah. And uh, I just want to thank you so much for sharing your, your talents and your gift and your love with us tonight. Oh, thank, thank you. you. And, and everybody listening out there, I love you all. Thank you. Thanks for your support and just soldier on. You guys are amazing. All right. Well, we're going to call it a night, everyone. I want to thank you so much for joining us for another edition of the Raising Vibration Radio. Have a great rest of your weekend and blessings and love to all. Good night, everyone. Uh, good, Good night.